Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, welcome to Black Ticulate, a podcast series featuring UK young black professionals where we find out how they do what they do so you can too. Or not. After all, it is your life. <laughs> hey guys, happy new year and all of that jazz. It's been a while, I know, I know, and I'm very grateful for you joining me today. And before I introduce the guest that I'm about to have a conversation with, I just wanted to just mention that, A, forgive the sound quality, because what happened, and I think a majority of you might know, is... Whoever I'm interviewing, I tend to meet them at a cafe. We have coffee, we have tea and cakes, whatever. Sometimes chin chin, meat pies, whatever it is, um, just so they're comfortable. And because of that, there always is interference with background noise. And what I do is I try to get rid of that in post-production so you guys can hear as clearly as possible. And I'm no good at getting rid of background noise. So there will be some clinks, there will be some background interference. Now, shout out to my boy Akara, Akara Etai, A-K-A-R-A-E-T-T-E-H. I'm spelling out his full name because I want you guys to check him out on social. Give him a shout because he's a phenomenal music producer if you're looking for any form of music production. And now, on to my guest, yes, Antonio Cisse, Southeast boy, born and bred in Lewisham. So if anyone's in Lewisham, shout out. He is a senior training consultant in retail banking. Now, this episode particularly is good for you guys if you want to know the different um, aspects of the banking industry. Also, the routes in, what sort of education you might need, the challenges, the personality characteristics that you might need in order for you to thrive within it. And honestly, Antonio just drops gems after gems after gems. He's a brilliant guy, so please do take a listen. And as always, do give us any comments, any feedbacks, and share it to anyone that you think might value it. So once again, guys, thanks for joining us, and I'll see you on the other side. And welcome to Antonio Cisse. Guys, welcome to another episode of Black Articulate. For those of you who have never listened to an episode, I pretty much um, feature UK young black professionals who are go-getters, who are amazing, aspirational, they're just killing it in their industry. And I find that specifically, you know, how they do what it is they do. Why? And hope that if you've never considered that industry, at least you know it's possible. And uh, if you are in that industry, maybe you might find some advice and tips and resources to get you further along the way. And in front of me, I have an epic gent, 
Antonio Cisse. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you. No worries. No, no. Um, I always, and this is probably laziness on my behalf, I always just throw it straight to the guest to say, you know, can we just say introduce yourself to the people who don't know you? And then we just take it from there, the combo. Fantastic. So my name is Antonio Cisse. Um, I'm a senior training consultant, worked in retail banking for close to six and a half years now. Um, and prior to that, I've always been in like customer service and sort of face-to-face -face roles. Um, so now I'm in a position where I train people. Um, so as a senior training consultant, my day-to-day -day role is training sales staff for the building society, training other people internally. And it's something I really, really enjoy. You know the way you said that. Like, I'm a, and I really do. Now my strengths are. <laughs> my strengths are. My weaknesses are. <laughs> no, but let's get into this. So you said retail banking. So there's obviously different forms of banking. Now yes, what does there retail is. banking mean? So you've got the investment side. The retail side is, you know, where you walk in to open your current account, start your savings account. So like going into NatWest, any of those. Yeah, above. any of those. And that's the retail element of it. So the branch element. So whenever people hear, Oh, banking. I'm like, I have to specify, guys, it's not, there is commercial banking and there's retail banking. So commercial is the fancy stuff or you've got investment banking, which is like the Wolf of Wall Street style. Okay, that's where the money's at. That's where the money's at. So people are like, oh, you're a banker. Especially my family back home. Yeah. Like, oh, you're a banker, send us money. I'm like, it's retail banking. <laughs> it's no different for me working in H&M. Do you know what I mean? So, um, send us money back home, you know. I, I get that all the time. So, yeah, it's, it's very much retail um, as you know it, but there is the banking element to it. Can I actually speak about home? Where are you from? So, my mother's Gambian. Okay. My father's Colombian, but was raised in Senegal. Dang. So, he's very much a Caucasian man who was raised in Africa. Right. So, in my mind, he's an African male. Right. Um, and that's, you know, we don't really look at colour. Within your household or... No, we don't really see it. And, you know, I remember being younger and it's like, that's... Yeah, that's what? And I'm like, yeah, but he's African. Yeah. He's African. Why, why was it particularly, if I may, like dive in a little bit further? Yeah, go Because you are mixed. Yes. Right. That you didn't see race within your household, but you pretty much saw race whenever you stepped out the doors. Of course. What was the first time you really felt like other? Mm. First time. Yeah. Jesus. My earliest memory of being between the two worlds, I would say, was reception. <laughs> back, back at reception in school. Okay. And um, I was the only mixed race boy in my class at the time. And this was my earliest memory and my first awareness of race. Because the teacher decided, right, you're gonna paint a picture of yourselves. So inadvertently, because we had to share paint, she put all the white kids on <laughs> one table, oh put all the black kids on the other table. Oh, no. And I immediately sat to the black table. Because that's what I identify with, you know. I have similar features. I look, I feel like I look like my peers. So I sat over there and it was like, no, you're not the same colour as us. So, yeah, you're going to have to sit on the other table. And the white kids were like, but you're not our colour either. And I remember, because I, I was trying to mix a paint to make match my colour and I couldn't. And I, This is my earliest struggle. And then actually, the class sort of said, well... He's not like you guys, so he's like us, so come and sit with us. And then black kids were like, actually, he's more like us, he's got our features, so he's got to come sit with us. And I was there looking at my teacher like, what do I do? <laughs> Where do I sit? And then in the end, I remember saying, look, I identify more with 
these guys over here. So I'm going to sit over here and just add some of your paint <laughs> to the brown paint. And I come up with this caramel coffee color. Right. And then that was it. And I, I remember the Asian kid as well in the, in the class. And he was like, he already made his color. He was super smart. Yeah. But that was the first time when I realized like race. And I remember going home to my mom and saying, mom, what color am I? Like, because I'm not your color and I'm not dad's color. So where did, you know, what am I? And she was like, you're black. Okay, that's like, simple. I was like, cool. Problem solved. Next day I went into class, I was like, I'm black. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, Southeast, growing up. Yeah, what was life like? Because you have a brother as well, don't you? Yeah. Just the one? Um, got two brothers, one sister. Um, yeah, growing up in South was fun. Um, I yeah, have South. very fond memories of my childhood. And yeah, it was, it was an experience to say the least. I look back and... All the crazy things we did as, as teens, Guys, as children. You can't see Antonio, he's smiling crazy right now. There's some stories I'm going to try and extract. I look, I look back and I just think, yeah, we were unaware of the wider world back then. So we had our little microcosm in South London and it was it was good fun. Had some stressful times, no doubt. Okay. Um, because ben, we, we grew up where, you know, gangs were really a thing. And this is slightly before knife crime really sort of took hold. Um, Where south? So, Lewisham. Okay, Lewisham. Yeah. And what, you grew up in council estate area? Just, or? yeah, so top of Sydenham okay. is, is where I grew up. But we used to hang about down in lower Sydenham, sometimes Lewisham, Newcross. So we used to hang about everywhere, Broccoli. Right. Yeah, so that was good fun. Um, so yeah, it Were was, you always... Were you in a gang? Were you out? I wouldn't call it a gang. Home? I mean, gang is a term that's used from, I don't know, from people looking on the outside. When you're in, yeah. they're just family, they're friends. So you're just, you guys are all the same age, you're very alike, you enjoy the same thing, so you hang out. Yeah. Whether we call that a gang, there was no sort of commercial element to it, which I think, in my mind, what a gang is, a gang of people together who are trying to achieve a particular outcome, whether that be making money or, you know, I don't know, trying to change something or set up a business of some form. So for me, in my mind, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't say I was in a gang, you know. But and also that's a good thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Bringing everyone in order for you to accomplish a, a goal, a task, an objective. Yeah. Mm. I mean, geez, that's the way the world ought to work. Yeah, ought work. to work, yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah, I, would, I wouldn't say I was in a gang and, no, but growing up, you know, you get into fights with people from different areas and stuff like that. So that was very much in our area. But a bit about my journey. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, talk to me about, I guess, yeah, how you became this financial person. Yeah. I'm, so it goes right back to sort of 15 years old. Okay. Don't worry, I won't, I won't keep you no, here no, for no, like no. half a day. Um, <laughs> no, we're blessed. I will edit this out. No, <laughs> yeah. Cut, cut, cut. So my journey is so long. And yeah, that's how I'm here. Yeah, that's that's all here. you guys are going to hear, listeners. <laughs> but I've always, I've always loved connecting with people, always loved meeting up with people and, you know, helping. That was one of my core things. And I remember being in school and, you know, they, they had that careers talk. Yeah. Um, what do you want to be when you grow up sort of thing? And everyone was like, doctor, lawyer, fireman. And I sat there in silence and the teacher was like, okay, what do you want to be Antonio? And I was like, well, what do you want to do when you're older? I was like, help people. 
okay. And I really sat and thought about it. I was like, I want to help people. That's, that's something I want to do. I don't know what it is, just the reward in seeing other people achieve. That, that for me is like one of the things that keeps me going. And I'm in a role today where I help people develop and help them achieve a skill or a mindset which then enables them further to do something that they want to do. Um, so I would say I'm very much an enabler in that sense. Yes. Why do you think that is? Because you strike me as someone who has a lot of introspection. You know, you probably yeah. analyze a lot. So a couple of things. When I was 15, you know, this is where people were getting into things that perhaps were a bit controversial. Well, yeah, yeah, a bit grey. And I had one of the olders in the area, so olders being just a senior guy, right? Turned around to me and was like, look, you're a smart kid. Don't be like these guys because you're going to end up in a bad situation eventually. So focus on what you're good at, which is your electronics and your gadgetry and your... Um, oh, people knew you for that, did they? Yeah, because I was always very much interested in science. I was very curious about electricity and chemistry, uh, physics. So I would always tinkered, and I was known as like the, ge the geek of the area okay. for that reason. He goes, you focus on that um, and try and make money out of it somehow. Um, if it wasn't for that guy's advice, my career would have taken a very different path. Who knows where I might have ended up getting into unsavory things. I wouldn't have the level of awareness I would have now. And I just thought that was such a selfless action for him to do that. He opened my eyes to like different possibilities and I am where I am today because of it. It's so funny, isn't it? And like how a role model or someone, a simple word or sentence can just alter your, your trajectory. That's it. That was a three minute conversation. Yeah. Um, raised my awareness and raised my level of thinking. And that cascaded into something which I did for many years. Um, and I just thought, wow, that's such a rewarding thing. So when I started helping people at school and even after, I found that really rewarding because I thought, actually, I can see the impact that it's ha had. And for them to be able to utilize their skills and abilities, that I just found, I just found something really beautiful in that. And which obviously brings us to what you currently do. Yeah, leadership and community. Training, yeah. But I do want to talk more about your nine to five, your actual bread and butter yes. hat and how you get into that. Is it a white space predominantly? Mm? Is it a white space? Very much so. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, well, how do you get into it? So, yeah, maybe, is there, do you have to have an educational path to it? So, or? no, although it helps. And training is more about your experience and your ability to connect with your audience, um, being able to be aware of their learning journey and adopt your style to that. So it has an element of flexibility. So my career path, I started off in retail banking as a cashier, then moved to what they call a personal banking manager. Right. So that's who opens your account. Were you doing it straight after uni? Did you go to uni? So I went to university, yeah. dropped out. Gotcha, which uni? I went to Reading University. To study what? Electronic engineering. Okay, gotcha. So it was a natural progression from, from mobile. Yeah. <laughs> from what I tinkered in. Yeah. Um, so I went to university, did electronic engineering. And for me to actually get into uni, that was that was a path in itself because I still hung about on the streets. Right. Um, I'd started a part-time job and that kept me going for a while. But I was very much involved in hanging around in the area and you know, back in the day, people get up to no good. So you, after you play football, you hang about and then people, there's always some sort of event happening or something like that. And um, 
I decided I, pro I proper flunked my A levels. Right. Like initially, um, so my A levels weren't great. So my first year of AS, it was a huge step up from GCSE. GCSE, you can get bang on your intelligence. A level, you actually need to work consistently um, in order to achieve your grade. Until because AS yes, counts to your label, doesn't it? It carries on. Yeah, this yeah. is when it was broken up into two. I think it's yeah. now one. Oh, is it? Um, yeah, are we that old? I think so. Yeah, we're that old. <laughs> I, well, that's what I think anyway. I'm not, I'm, I can't verify that. Um, but yeah, so I decided, and this is after one of my friends got stabbed, that this is going nowhere for me. There's no, I'm not suited to the street life. My family, you know, didn't raise me with a low expectation, like I know I can achieve more. So after getting pretty poor A-levels, um, I decided to redo it. So I went to two colleges in one year. Oh, wow. So I'll travel, travel from Westminster during the day, all the way out to Orpington College in the evening to try and get some A-levels to get myself into university. And um, yeah, eventually Reading University let, let me in after I wrote to them. They was like, just apply for a UCAS. We'll put you on a foundation course. At least then that will give you the basics to then go on to study electronic engineering. And yeah, I started my university journey from there. And, and that was, you know, uni's always fun. Uni, what can I say? So I was there for three years um, on a four-year course. And halfway through, become a bit disillusioned okay. with my course. Because yeah. electronic engineering has the, has the sort of... Um, the technical aspect of it where you're very, what I call introverted activities where you need to do analysis. You sit behind um, a computer and do like loads of programming yeah. and calculations and such. And I was always more people orientated. So the project work, I absolutely loved. I love bringing, being able to bring people together, analyze people's skill sets, distribute work, um, you know, and bring the best out of people. That's where I really sort of shone. But I come a bit disillusioned because the project work was over and I was like, can I, I was like, can I really put my life and soul into sitting behind a computer for 14 hours? And at the end of it, what I've achieved is make one machine talk more efficiently to another machine. And that's the only impact I've had. It didn't resonate with me and I was becoming more and more unhappy um, with what I was doing. So the decision came, <clears throat> I was like, if I was gonna do this, I could stick it out fine, but let me do something I actually am passionate in. Let me do something I enjoy, because um, then I can put more effort into it. Right, of course. I can really sink my teeth into it. And that's when I decided, right, love connecting with people, love speaking to people, like to be able to help, and kind of interested in the finance thing, because as a university student, I was terrible with my finance, <laughs> I didn't know nothing about it. So, um, personal student part, loan, just money, money, money. Yeah, student loan balling. Just <laughs> yeah. Student loan came in, I was like, woo! Hit the shops hard. We don't need no Indomino noodles tonight. Oh, that's We're it. Going to I, don't think, I don't think I ever ate beans as a student. And <laughs> Damn, you were balling then. <laughs> Clearly. But and I still want to almost join you where we are to this financial route because you were like, I'm no good with money. <laughs> I didn't so, know I didn't nothing about personal finance. Let me figure. Okay. Hit me. Um, I knew I had a distinct lack of knowledge for personal finance at that time because I'd always receive money quite easily from buying and selling mobile phones or my part-time work. Um, so you knew you could make money? Yeah. And when you've got a level of cash flow, you don't... A level of cash flow and replenishment of funds, 
Um, you tend not to think long term, and personal finance is not taught, wasn't taught in schools back then. So you get money, you spend it. You get money again, you spend it. You don't really think of the longer term saving. You save for a rainy day, but for me, my only saving I did was because I needed to buy large amounts of stock, or you know, I'll save towards a particular thing which was way above my pay grade at the time. So I didn't know nothing about personal finance. I went to uni, got my student account, so that was an overdraft. I got credit cards up to my ears <laughs> because you know, listen to my cousin who's like, take out as many credit cards as you can, get your student account, you might need them. And I was like, why? Because what if what if we get a big order of say if you get an opportunity to buy like loads of stock of something, um, you wanna be able to have the cash flow to do that. I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. Open them. I didn't use them for like ages. And then students student life started to bite in. Yeah, yeah. Reduced income, I had a part time job, which was decent at the time, um, but it wasn't enough to fund the lifestyle that I'm used to. Right. Um, <laughs> and then soon enough, you know, I was living way, way, way above my means. And I think every student goes through it who is sort of financially irresponsible at times. You get to a point where you're like, my God, I'm maxed out on everything. I've got direct debits got to come out and I will be in trouble very soon. And I think the final turning point for me to learn about personal finance was I remember being in Tesco's at two o'clock in the morning. Okay. Because as a student, <laughs> my mate's like, oh, let's go get some, let's go Tesco's, 24-hour Tesco's. I'm like, yeah, cool, we'll drive down there. And at two o'clock in the morning, you're like, I obviously need to do a full shop. <laughs> but at the time, I only had like £5.57 in my card, credit card left to spend. And I'm there trying to do a full shop with £5.57. And I was like, this is not going to happen. I just thought, enough is enough. Like, I need to wise up, I need to wake up. So I need to learn about personal finance, how to manage your money, how to be responsible, how to think ahead. Um, yeah, that sort of started me on my journey. So I started learning more and more about it, budgeting. Like as in, okay, yeah, so like Googling, when you say learning more about it. Yeah, Google, I bought books, personal oh, finance really? books, Googling, um, just learning a bit more and versing myself in the subject, just so, you know, I can know what decisions to make and when or what sort of decision I might make. Um, so I started learning more and more and I had a lot of useful tools to actually manage my own money. Do you remember those tools? Just like little Excel spreadsheets that I made or you can download from online and forecasting spreadsheets and stuff like that. And I was like, hmm, forecasting just basically confirmed I would be broke. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but just less broke, but still broke. Less broke, yeah. but it then helped my spending decisions. Okay. To know where I'm gonna be in two or three weeks time. So I started doing this for myself and I got myself to a place where I was comfortable. And then I started doing it for other people because you'd hear sort of similar gro like gropes and grinds, like people saying, oh, I haven't got no money. And I was like, I can help you with that. Right. I was like, ah, oh, let me show you this useful tool. Let me talk you through what I've done and where I'm at. Um, and maybe it can help you. So I started helping people out of uni who- For free? Free. Oh, this is just for the, for the love of it. Right. And because if you, if you have an opportunity to help, if you have the ability and the capability, then why not? Why wouldn't What's, you? Yeah. You know. So yeah, I started helping people and they gave me really great feedback. Like, that's really helped me. We were all still broke at the end of yeah, the yeah, just yeah. you know, like sipping on your sipping on your snake bite or your or your water because, because that's the only drink that you have. Um, so yeah, I, that's how so the personal what, finance yeah. journey started. And then come to leaving uni now, and so you made that choice. You're like, you know what? I'm not going to stick this out. Um, yeah, I just thought, I'm I need something. Last year, forget it. 
Maybe. Yeah, and I was in a place where... Did you speak to anyone about that decision? Yes. The rent? I spoke to my parents. And before I spoke to my parents, I made sure I had a job to go to. Okay, nice. So the work that I had to do, I was like, I want to go into banking because it fitted, it fit all the criteria. It has a personal finance element, which I'm now starting to really enjoy. It has a face-to-face -face element as well. I also enjoy that. And I'm helping people. I was like, yes, this is great. So had my interviews, got rejected. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. First, my first interview was with um, Northern Rock. Okay. And that's when I became first aware of some of the challenges that I faced with having a certain look, image, or look, image, or I don't know, I don't know how to put it. No, I'm with you, as in just your entire body, your Culture. entire person. Yeah. I walked into that interview and no more than five minutes the interview was over. Oh, really? And I remember, because I fully prepared everything. Yeah, you were ready. I, yeah. I had my speech about, tell me about yourself. I, it prepared all my interview preparation questions and things like that. And within five minutes, for whatever reason, I just wasn't a fit. Right. Do you remember the question they, they asked you? Like, yeah, they asked what? me a couple of questions, but the questions were very closed questions. So I was like, I had an opportunity to tell them more about myself and my journey and you know what my achievements was. And I was like, why was I invited to this interview if you don't want to know more about me or you know more about my experience? And when stuff like that happens, it makes you think, right, was it because the way I was dressed, you know, dressed in the suit? What was it? What was the what was the root cause? Why why would they just dismiss you like that? Yeah. And I thought either they've either hired someone else already or something I've said, something I've did, or some another element, like an X element. And I didn't want to think of it at the time, but I just thought I don't fit perhaps what they wanted. And they haven't got to know me. So it's either the way I look, the way I talk, or something else. So that's that was my first hurdle. Right. I thought, oh my God, is this, the, is this the industry that I'm going to be walking into <laughs> where people just dismiss you like that? Um, hey, then you had another interview, I assume. Or you had a row of interviews or how long? I had a few. And it was Chelsea Building Society, which sort of opened the door. And I went for this interview and the guy was really harsh. So he just asked me, here's those interview questions, threw it to one side. I want to know a bit more about you. Why should I hire you over everyone else? You have no experience in the industry. You know, you're brand new. You've worked in like a phone shop. So I know you've got a bit. So I was like, why are you? 
why are you over someone with five years in experience? And do you remember what you said? I said, look, I can't speak for other people, but I know one thing, my work ethic is second to none. I put 110%. It was, it was kind of one of those cheesy, <laughs> yeah. those cheesy like Will Smith, um, Will Smith moments. But I was yeah, like, look, I can't speak for anyone else, but one thing I can guarantee is how hard I work um, and the dedication I put into learning something new. Everything I've done before, I've always put a maximum effort into it. And then there you go. And, and that's, that's what kicked me off into the finance. So the great thing about retail banking is that it gives you the sales side of it. It gives you the customer service. And then from there, that can springboard into other areas of banking. So you can go into the HR. You can go into the more technical finance side, the financial advice, or, or the management route. Is that predominantly where a lot of people who are in those spots would have started from the retail and yeah. then work their way up. Work their way up. Run. And there's a lot of people in the industry, especially the retail side of it, who have started off as a cashier, started off as a personal banker. Um, so what is the, what's, the top, what's the top rung of that ladder, I guess, from a personal cashier? So in the retail space, you're looking at a branch manager, then district, like a district manager, so looking after other branches. Right. And then you've got the area who looks after a number of areas. So that's, you go into the management room, that's, that's one pathway. Then you've got the financial advisor or specialist type roles. Okay. So that's where you go into mortgage advice, financial advice. And then from there, you can specialize even further. So you can then go on to, once you become a financial advisor, you can then specialize in pensions. Or you can then go into financial estate planning. Or you can actually go into like the business side of it as well. Right. So same thing with mortgages and lending. So you can go into the lending route and then you go into the business banking side of it. So it provides a very clear pathway of progression. If you're hungry to learn, if, you're, if you want to verse and immerse yourself in the industry, it provides a very clear pathway. What are the sort of prejudices attached? And how does one, like, I guess, overcome those implicit biases? So what have been the challenges? Yeah, in that sense. Um, at the retail level, there isn't much. Okay. Because it's so diverse. You, you know, you walk into any bank or building society, in London anyway, and you see it a diverse yeah, that is true. group of people all banded together and work together. That's, to, retail banking is really beautiful for that, for that. But the higher you go, and I'm sure this is across many industries, the less diverse it becomes. Yeah. So for the day-to-day -day tasks and roles in the short term, yes, there's loads of diversity. For the longer term side of it, so the strategic planning, um, building branches and stuff like that, that's not as diverse. Right. You move into HR and the, the space I'm learning, it, uh, the space I'm in at the moment, learning and development, and it's less diverse, right. further. So the challenges there have been, how does someone move from the short term space to the longer term space? And that's where the big bucks come in as well. When you go, go into longer term, that's where you go higher up in the pay grade. Um, and how does that, how do people move into that? And that's, that's why, why aren't, why aren't there so many diverse, the higher up? I have my theories. Please, yeah, please, you <laughs> must. We, we, I remember discussing this last, well, the first time I met you, which is about people's unconscious bias um, being one element of it. Two, I don't think people realise the opportunities that are available. Right. Um, 
and therefore don't work towards exploiting those opportunities and taking them. Um, so, yeah, that's... Can you give examples when you say that? Because those are sort of overarching things you mentioned, but like, if you could give concrete, like, for instance, exploiting opportunities, what are people missing a trick on? For example, I'm trying to think of an example. I've recently counted one of my mentorees, I don't know if that's the correct term. You hear of a job role or an opportunity to do, get involved in a project which will give you exposure too late. Oh. You're the last person to hear it. So for you to, I don't know, that's a poor example. No, no, but... But this is something I had to coach around recently. Um, yeah, you hear of an opportunity too late or you always hear, or you're always the last to know about certain things happening or people don't come to you for advice or your ideas because they don't know what you're capable of or they don't know you well enough to trust you. Yeah. Um, so I think these are some of the challenges where people who are a minority, and it, I say minority and not specifically black, yeah. um, are a minority, will have that challenge, won't they? It's people don't know enough about them or about their upbringing because they've never had exposure or grew up with people like themselves, so they can't relate. So the onus is for you to speak up. Do you know what I mean? If you're in that minority end. For you to communicate and build relationships with people, the higher you go, the more you realise it's about relationships that you yeah. build. Because that's you build a, a relationship of trust. Um, you're going to hear about opportunities or people will want you to take on challenges because they trust your way of working or they trust your ability. And I think one of the biggest barriers is creating that relationship to begin with, connecting with people who are unlike yourselves or you haven't really experienced. So I think a lot of the, um, a lot of the challenges for people of ethnic minority is that the higher you go, the more trust is needed yeah. because people are trusting you with significant parts of their business or with massive decisions. You want to be able to trust that person's ability, skill, decision-making, yeah, you want to make sure they're the right person for the job. Yeah. Now, that journey of getting to know that, that's where the biggest barrier is. So in very technical roles where your skills are on paper, yeah, yeah, that could, it's the most capable person. That's, yeah, that's almost, yeah. For roles where perhaps that isn't as quantifiable, that's where it's about the trust and your experience and you getting to really know how that person operates. Yeah, it's funny because I had a friend of mine well, actually, I had my name on the podcast, Julian. Yeah. Um, he's a PR guy, and he pretty much echoed the same I, sentiment. I related, I related very much pretty to much, that. Yeah. I was like, because it's, you know, the notion of being a cultural fit and where it's about actually, can I trust, do I know enough of that person mm. to be able to move forward? Yeah. It's one of the biggest, yeah. It's, I, I feel one of the biggest challenges to overcome. So if I'm looking at it from a listener's perspective, I'm like, yeah, Antonio, yeah, he's a bad boy. Yeah, okay. So I've seen his route. Good for him, like whatever, <laughs> right, yeah. How do I get into this route? Okay, so I'm interested in personal finance, uh, like he is. I'm interested in, you know, relationship building, like he is. Mm. Um, I'm all about how can I help people, like he is, right? So maybe I will go into retail banking, right? First step, look at any job roles within the cashier level. That's it. Right? And then you're in. And then Once look you're in the door. Once you're in the door, then the world's your oyster in that sense. It's about proving yourself. And Brilliant. The great thing about retail banking is that it provides that step-by-step -step 
role progression, yeah. um, which is very structured, very achievable. Oh, so is it one of them ones where you have to work at a very minimum before you can even be considered to a mix? If you, if you can get, if you can show your, demonstrate your ability to do a different role, then by all means do it. But if you're, I'm talking about Joe Average. Yeah, for sure. Who perhaps isn't as academically able. Well, yeah. yeah. They have other, they have skills in other areas. And that's really who I aim to help. Mm. Those people. You have people who are academically brilliant. They've got a very clear direction. They've got very powerful influences. Um, but I'm just talking about Joe Average. Yeah, start off as a cashier to begin with. That's going to help you understand where the money comes from mm. initially. Um, that's going to help you understand the industry a bit more because you're immersed in it. But it's up to you then to learn more. Yeah. Once you're in the door, right, it's not, it's not enough doing your day-to-day -day job. It's what you do extra that's going to help you step up and move to another role. Right. Are there any like specific sort of personalities or characteristics that would enable you to thrive? within personal work ethic yeah is um, it just work i mean hard? that goes for any industry really but you've got to show your hunger to learn and grow right okay and that's something which is frustrating when people don't have that or they say they have it and they're, they're about that life but really they're not about that life yeah. because when it comes to the actual execution so action being the second thing they falter or they don't take they don't take action right um so yeah, having a great work ethic, being hungry, and then actually taking action. Always uh, doing, yeah. And that will help you thrive. In terms of soft skills, yeah, being able to communicate helps a lot, but if you're not a fantastic communicator, again, the cashier rule forces you to grow that very, very quickly, because you're dealing with the general public. Yeah. Um, from there, I'd say the third thing to thrive, flexibility. Meaning, you got to be able to, I wouldn't say change change who you are, but you've got to be able to adapt to your audience very quickly. Right. About the way you communicate, the way you interact with people, the way you um, approach the work you do. Because you're going to be dealing with people who are from all walks of life. So flexibility is going to be one of those things which... If you're not flexible, you're not going to get far at all. Right. If you are flexible, yeah, you'll be able to mold and adapt to your audience in a way which benefits them and benefits yourself. I know it's a bit ambiguous. No, 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 I'm with for, you. For example, as a personal banking manager, one day you could be communicating with someone who is not financially, like, financially able to speak your language. So they don't know nothing about finances then you're speaking to someone who may, may be a CEO. And you've got to be able to tailor your approach to that person to be able to help and find out their needs. I get you. Is there any ethical questions that you normally have to deal with in your role? In my role, as a, as a trainer, yes. Um, I think the ethical questions and challenges for me came when I was a branch manager. Recruitment decisions. Right. And that's when my unconscious bias got really exposed. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of people talk about unconscious bias like, oh yeah, you know, I have some biases. But until you put your money on the line, 
you're not going to know what your unconscious bias are. Right. Until you're, it ha, you know, a decision has to be made that would potentially impact your future or impact your business. You're not really, that's not really not going to get exposed, I believe, anyway. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And when I was making recruitment decisions, that's when I had to fight a lot of my misconceptions that I never even knew I had. Um, so, you know, you don't want to discriminate against age, against Gender, people's lifestyles yeah. and people's journey ahead. And when you're recruiting someone who you're going to be potentially working with that has a wider impact on your team, as a person, you say to yourself, as a recruiting, you know, recruitment manager, you say, can I relate to this person? Can they fit in within my team? You talked about cultural yeah. fit. Um, do they get it? Then you start questioning their work ethic. And an interview, and I think this was, I can't remember if Julian said this as well, an interview is not enough time to understand someone's work ethic. You only see examples. So you have to go on what you previously know. You have a filter in your mind. And for me, that's when my filters got exposed and I didn't like what I saw. Really? Um, what did you see? Can I say this on, yeah. on my... Is that a compact? <laughs> of course can you I, can. can. I say this on my... <laughs> so, disclaimer, it never... Being aware of my filters doesn't mean I actually use them. So I'll, I'll say that yeah. first up. Um, so age right. being one. What are the common things that people think about older people, especially if you're young? They're slow. Um, sometimes you may think health issues and um, motivations. You can't relate. So sometimes you'll recruit someone younger yeah. over someone older. And that happens industry-wide. Yeah. Can't say it happens in my company, but because you know you, you, walk into, you walk into a branch and you have such diversity, but that got exposed. Right. And I was like, ugh, that's, that's a really ugly thought. I, that doesn't resonate with who I am and what I believe, but the fact that I have that in my mind, that's ugly. I don't like that filter. Um, the other filter was culture. And this, for me, was probably one of the most, I don't know, one the, I don't want to say one of the ugliest things that I sort of exposed, not just about myself, but I've seen it being done. And where someone grew up, the way they talk, the way they look, you immediately start associating with your experience of that. Yeah, for sure. And no, if, I get that. And it's, it's all good being friends with people who... You know, it's all good being friends, but when it comes to money on the line and business, you want certain qualities. And when you start having preconceptions like that, it becomes very, very difficult. You're like, hmm, he's, he's a really great guy, but would I hire him? Do I trust him with X, Y, and Z? Will he, will he or she adhere to rules? Because we're in a regulated environment. Um, how seriously are they going to take their work? And that is when I had to say to myself, I understand why discrimination happens now. I don't agree with it. And if this is a filter that I am at risk of having, I need to challenge that and tackle that within myself. So let's talk about, well, let me give it back. I'm just throwing it to you. Is there anything that you feel that people need to be aware of about that industry going into it? Things they should consider, things they should look at, any resources, any tools? I'm just throwing it out there, mate. Um, throwing it out there. <laughs> in terms of resource resourcing tools, you want to get into retail banking. Um, there's so much online which will help you understand the industry better. 
there's qualifications you can do which although won't guarantee you a job will help you understand the challenges within the industry and what the industry actually does for their customers are there any specific qualifications that so you've got things look, like CMA, CMA, CMA. Uh, CMAP sorry um, BIPFA okay so there's CMAP 1 which will give you an overview of the banking pardon me the banking world so that's a great place to start and the great thing is is that you don't even need to buy it necessarily you can get older copies of it online on eBay and things like that Amazing. so you can source the material um, so that's a great place to sort of give you an idea of what the industry entails um, in terms of the softer skills I think that's where you can be entrepreneurial and do your own thing to sort of build those skills if you haven't already so if you haven't got a job this will be your first job there's nothing stopping you like volunteering and practicing some of those softer skills because when you get interviewed you're going to be asked, what have you done before? Mm. And you need to be able to talk about a situation where you have done that before. And if you haven't been in that situation, you need to create that situation for yourself. Yeah. So Solid advice. It's, it's true. And some of the people I've worked with before have never been into work, left college, and that's it. They've just been floating about, doing like the odd job here and there. And I was like, look, if you haven't been in a sales role or you haven't done sales before, then by all means, you can volunteer and practice some of those skills. There's nothing stopping you. Because a lot of places are looking for volunteers. A lot of people, there are a lot of apprenticeships out there that are looking for people who are hungry and don't necessarily have the skill set. Um, so for me, that's, you know, there's no excuse anymore uh, for you not to get experience. Some people just don't know where to start and fear can have a lot to play with that. So how do you overcome that fear, man? Just one must just do. Um, yeah. And this is where something I started many years ago, which is self-belief society, comes in. You've got to have a, a belief um, and confidence in yourself that no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. Mm. What's the worst that can happen? I know it sounds very cliche, but by taking an action and failing, what do you, what do you lose? And if you bring that into perspective you'll see that the action is very doable and it has very minimal impact to your current situation. And only pluses, you can only learn from it. Um, Agreed. And, and this is what the self-belief society our ethos is, is building people's self-belief in themselves to then take an action. Is that still? Yeah, cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, with a cafe, I'm sure you can hear in the background <laughs> or whatnot. Got delivery. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The way that I went, hello, hello. Um, that is phenomenal. So, guys, we are going to get Antonio back on for sure, for sure, without a shadow of a doubt. So, if there's any questions and anything that I haven't asked him that you want to know about the personal banking industry or, like, you know, the retail banking industry side of things, please holler at me. <laughs> I'll also let you know how to get in touch with him. In fact, why am I on record? How can we get in touch with you? I guess my Twitter. Yes. Which Bring it is, all the social. Do, do people use Twitter anymore? For sure, Twitter is life. So yeah. Twitter, just Antonio Cisse. I don't I'm think there's many that. Antonio Cisse's in the world that you'll find. I'm the top result on Google, luckily. <laughs> so my LinkedIn is also there. So Antonio Cisse, and that's the best way to get hold of me. LinkedIn, I'm very active on. Because again, it's a community of people who um, you can get in touch with and communicate with, just bounce ideas off. So I think LinkedIn is very sort of overlooked, but it's very powerful. So you would actually add anyone that adds you on LinkedIn? 
Hmm? You add everyone or anyone that I try to. Name. How interesting. So Antonio is spelled A-N-T-O-N-I-O. And Cisse, guys, is S, I mean, sorry, C-I-S-S-E. Fantastic, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much for joining me on this wonderful yeah. episode. Thanks for having me. I really late. appreciate it. No, a bit no. random, but you know, hey, just talk about anything and everything. Hey, but, this is what we do. This is just conversations, yeah. you know, in a chilled environment and just really trying to jump gems. And you have, you've really given us a lot of gems, which hopefully you guys can go off and action. <laughs> right, Cheers. Thank you. Stay tuned for another episode of Black Ticulate. If you guys know of anyone who would be just a really, really good guest that can teach us how they do what they do, please get in touch. And you can get in touch via our social media handles, Blackticulate, or email, which is contact at blackticulate.com. Once again, guys, you're absolutely brilliant. You are the reason why we continue to do this. So see you for the next episode. Bye. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.